18 on a Wednesday. Well, now we're in the middle of the week now. As everyone says, the hump, whatever that means. But anyway, so I'm going to talk to you about my childhood and what I was like growing up as a little girl. Now, I was not like any of the other of the kids, okay? That's why everybody says to me, you're bizarre, you're different, you're weird, well, whatever. I was different, I was unique, and I stood away from the crowd. I stood away from other children. So when we first came into this part of town, we were very much not accepted. And the reason why I say that is, just imagine a Greek family moving in to an all-white neighborhood, okay? The only Greek family in an all-white neighborhood. Now you say to yourself, why should that have been any different? Well, think about it this way. So my father, mother, and both of my sisters, they all came from Greece to become citizens of the United States. And then I was born 10 years later, and I was already a natural-born citizen, okay? So, but I, I still identify, when people say to me, how do you identify yourself as your race? And I said, European. But unfortunately, they don't have that on the actual, on the application. You know, when they say, what is your race? And they have like a mixed, they don't have European and they should. Why? Because Europeans have different skin tone than white. They're like more olive skinny or Mediterranean. I've always wondered about that because I think that should be changed. So I identify myself with as European, okay? Even though, even though I was born here, I, whatever in lifetime that I have to defend my late mother and father and my siblings will be because, because of that. In other words, if someone attacks my family for whatever reason or somebody that I care about that's from a different race or religion, I will always stand behind them 100% and stand up, stand up for them. And anybody, it's not just family, it could be friends, people that I've you know, grown to, to, to love, have connections all over the world globally because I think it's important for me, okay? In this day and age, everyone has taken pot shots. So when we were little, I was attacked when I was little. I'm not talking about attacked, attack. I'm talking about teased at to the point of, well, now she has a foreign sounding name, let's attack her. Well, I held my ground at some point. And I remember going on the playground and the, the boys, because boys have been known to just tease and attack girls and make them cry. and. They would try to lift up, I used to wear dresses, dresses and skirts to be the prim proper little girl going into school, especially on picture day. And they would, they would, um, they would try to lift up my skirt to see underneath. <laughs> I would cry, but, but I didn't want to sh let them see me cry. See, when you have people picking on you, like picking on you, you want to show you're not afraid. You don't want to show any type of fear. Because fear, again, is not even a real emotion. It's a state of mind. Now, I want to talk about my childhood in detail. So, so you know, my father would come up with these far-fetched stories about things that children believe that I didn't believe. That's why a lot of my friends are like, you don't believe in the tooth fairy? No. You don't believe in Santa Claus? No. Are you, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. First of all, tooth fairy. What is that? A giant tooth with, with wings that flies and leaves, leaves money and gum under a child's pillow after the child deposits the tooth under her pillow? Let's be far-fetched. That's very far-fetched. 
You make children believe these ridiculous, ridiculous things. I'm sorry. Children get the idea that that's actually somebody who exists. It's a tooth for crying out loud. Can you imagine that? That a, your child says, oh, mommy, when's the tooth? Oh, daddy, when's the tooth fairy coming? I lost my tooth. I put my tooth under the pillow. When I woke up the next morning, I had money and gum and candy. No, your parents did that. They snuck into your room in the middle of the night and they stuck it under there while you were sleeping. There is no tooth fairy. Sorry to burst your bubble, kids. There is no tooth fairy. Call me, call me. I'm calling it as it is. My father also made me believe that Santa Claus was going to come down the chimney. Well, first of all, we don't have a fireplace. So how is Santa Claus going to come inside the house? Is he going to knock on the door? Is he going to climb through the window? What? My father made me believe that because he goes, you should be in bed right now. I'm like, why? Santa Claus. So, Dad, I don't believe in Santa Claus. I'm sorry. That's far-fetched. That's like a myth right there. See, now, my nieces and nephew, when they were young, my sister would make believe, like, let's leave out the cookies and a glass of milk. Oh, look at that. The milk was drunk, and the cookies said, you did that. Shh, don't tell them. Do you honestly believe that kids are going to fall for that? Are you kidding me? He goes, well, when you have children. Well, when I have children, it will be different. I'm not, I'm not going to spread their little minds with these fake people to, to revere. You know who they should revere? real people, people that have made accomplishments in life, people that have done great things for others. That's who children should reveal, not fake folklore. I'm sorry to be like this, but you know, growing up, all the things that children believed in, I kind of stood away from that. I just didn't believe in the tooth fairy. I didn't believe in Santa Claus. I'm trying to think of what other far-fetched things that children believe in that their parents said, oh, you know, got so excited about. Well, but, you know, with me, again, I was different. Now, I held my ground in, in preschool. When it came to second grade, yeah, the, 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 the substitute teacher from hell who hit me with a ruler because I took the shoe and threw it across the room, and she thought that I hit her in the head with it. Well, for, you know, for little hands like myself, I don't think I can do that. I, I just threw it. You know, when someone's teaching you to do something, again, you gotta teach children patience. You can't yell at them if they don't do it right the first time. It's the same thing with adults. With adults. Think of adults. When you're training someone on the job, you're not gonna sit there and yell and scream at them if they make a mistake. Making a mistake is a part of life. We make mistakes in life, and then we try not to make the same mistakes, but we're not perfect. Because perfection doesn't exist in this world. And if it did, well, it's not here. It's not in this part of the world. It's somewhere else in utopia. If you live in a utopian society, then you're perfect. You live here, you make mistakes, that's fine. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. You make mistakes. You make as many mistakes until you get to that point in your life where, hey, look, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it right at some point. At some point. But, um, see, that's why I think people don't understand me. As a child, I was very complex. I never liked Halloween, you know, going door to door and begging strangers for candy. I, I, I thought that that was a little, but even my mother said, I said my mother, well, see now my mother and father again were robbed of their childhood. So they didn't have any of those weird customs that are here in America. Cause she even said this conversation we have. So there's a lot of 
strange traditions around here in America that we didn't have growing up. So when you live in a country, you don't have some of the things that Americans celebrate, you know, those holidays. And, and if you do, well, you know, then again, I just didn't like it. I didn't really care to dress up in a costume and go trick or treat and get candy from strangers. I mean, how do you know who to trust? You know, there are some people that like to do harm to children. And, and the idea that you're begging, you're basically begging. You're, knock, you're, you're knocking on someone's door, ringing their doorbell, saying trick or treat, and then they give you candy, and then what? What makes you think that the candy's safe to eat? It could be poisoned. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to burst everybody's bubble on there, but think about that. So my childhood was different. I was more of a bookworm. When other kids wanted to go play outside, I liked to read. And, and that's why I get most of my wisdom from, from reading, and it could be anything. When I was younger, I you know, would read children's books, but I would try to read other books that kind of fascinated me. Stories of faraway lands and exotic places, because I always like to know what it's like living in a faraway land, in an exotic location. And I always pictured it. And I said to myself, I would love to do that. Now I have to wait till I get older, because when you're a child, you can only do so much. When we went on our trip to Greece, again, it was a good history lesson because you're physically in the country where my parents grew up and where my siblings were born. And the fact that we had a second home, well, now it's a mess down there. It's not taken care of and strangers are living in there. So there's really nothing we can do about that. But I like the idea of going back as an adult and going to places that I never could go when I was a child. You know, like the forbidden places. Or even the village where my mother and father grew up. Which, again, it's probably a village. That's all it is. I don't think it changed much over the years. There are certain parts that I want to go to that I find fascinating and a good history lesson. That's why I said, let's talk about school. Really, what did you learn in school that you can't learn in the real world? Whether you're a child, teenager, young adult, why did we need all of this schooling? What did we really get out of it? I mean, everyone's like, what are you talking about? Education is important. Yes, but they don't teach you things that they should teach you in life, in school. You know, how to save, how to be courteous, how to give back, how to treat people. I mean, you don't learn any of that in school. What do you learn? Subjects that you're never going to use in the real world. Unless, of course, you're an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. But again, you don't learn about life. You have to wait until you get out of school to learn about life. And by then, by then it's too late. See, I got most of my education from my mother and father. My mother taught me the Greek alphabet. She taught me how to read and write, although I still have a hard time, you know, looking at the, the pages and the letters, because everything to me looks backwards. Um, and she taught me how to write my name. She taught me my, my times table, mathematics. I could not have learned that in school. Well, I had a great education from her. Again, she didn't have any education, neither her and my father. They did not go to school, because back then it was, Again, they grew up in the Great Depression. If you can imagine and picture yourself growing up in that time, it was difficult. Families were struggling, there were no jobs. So you had to find things to do. My father, with his family, had to be kind of like uh, the one in charge of the siblings, you know, to take care of them and to, you know, to do these little odd jobs. My mother 
because her father ran out on the family. So she became the second mother to her mother, the second mother to the siblings. She would, you know, uh, teach them and, and, and train them and discipline them when they were bad. So when they both got older and they came into this country, my father got a job. They never questioned, do you have an education? He, my father was smart. And if he lacked an education, he was people smart. He just knew how to do things very handy. Same thing with my mother. My mother was smart. She knew how to speak English just by watching television. And when they questioned her when she came into this country, they asked her the questions, the questions you normally would ask. If there was a war between the United States and Greece, well, who would you want to win? And of course, she chose her country. Good for you. That's the good answer. Because this is, that's where you came from. That's where you were born. Right? That's where you came from. That's where you were born. You would defend the country where you grew up. But if you're coming into the United States, then the smart answer would be the United States if you want to make your life here. See, that's like a trick question right there. But she answered all the questions and they got in. But again, education is overrated. And the same thing with college. Do you really need college? Virtual worldwide experience. Going into a country and learning about it firsthand, virtually. Not, hey, you know, let's sit in a classroom and have a teacher teach us this from a textbook. I can't get an education like that. I went to college. I didn't benefit, I, I didn't benefit from it. Real life world experiences is when you physically travel to another part of the world and really immerse yourself into the culture. Immerse yourself into the tradition. Immerse yourself with the people. I like that idea. And I think that back in the day in elementary school, instead of going to field trips within the area, they should have said, let's go international so we can learn about the country and be, really be exposed to it. Not let's sit behind in, in a classroom with a textbook and the teacher sitting there taking notes. That doesn't even, I can't even get enthusiastic about that. That would put me to sleep. Though I say to myself that um, again, when, when you're like, okay, in high school, it's a big example. Let's jump around. Let's go to high school. What subjects did you learn in high school that you could apply to the real world? Think about that for a second. What subjects can you apply that you learned in the real world? Math, science, history. Think about history. The things that we learned in history, the civil wars, uh, the dinosaurs that supposedly ruled this land, which I, 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 I find that hard to believe. Okay. Um, what else is there? I'm trying to think of what else. But anyway, um, so that's why I said that, you know, you get better education out of the classroom than you do in real life world situations and obstacles that you face. Whether you're a child, a young adult, uh, or an adult, what do you need school for? School is just...
school is just, I don't know. Like I said, I got education, a great education from my mom and dad. And again, they both didn't have an education. They were robbed of that from their childhood. I said, mom, you don't have to, to no. They don't, you know, they never went to school. Now, I don't know if it was because uh, back then where they were living in those times that they couldn't afford to go to school, their parents couldn't put them through an education, but what they lacked in education, they made up for it, and years later, they were pretty smart. You know, and I said, well, why do we need to go to school? Well, you need to learn. About what, though? Life is a giant classroom. Think about it, and we're all at different levels and different stages in our life. So what you learn in life, you can possibly learn in the classroom. If you look at Elon Musk, he makes sense. What do you need a college degree for? Basically, see, for me, I am book smart, but I'm also people smart. I care about people. I can learn about people if I go physically into the country. Not, oh, someone's going to say, pull out your textbook and let's learn about the history. It's not going to work like that. Your real life experiences are physically in the area where you want to go to, in a country. You know, when, when young students say, I traveled abroad, so did you learn anything? Yeah, and it was exciting. I got to meet people. I got to learn about traditions and customs. I got to learn all of that stuff. I didn't have to be subjected to sitting in a classroom and listening to a boring professor tell me about a country, a continent, or whatever. I physically went there and saw for myself. And I think that should be, quote, the norm going forward for future generations. Why sit in a classroom and try to learn from a, from a professor? Like children, you know, for me, young children in that part of the world, good quality education is important, but make it fun for them. Make it fun for them. Make the, you know, do something different. See, my mother, my mother was had the idea that I could have a better education if she taught me. I learned a lot more from her and from my father than I did in school. And in school, everybody's always competing with one another with the grades. Some, some, some kids are like horrible. Oh, look at me. I've got all A's and B's. I'm smart. So in other words, people with C's and D's and one F are stupid. <laughs> I don't think so. I look at my report cards and I say, yeah, I had all A's, B's, C's, D's, and one F. And you know where I got the F from? Jim. Ooh. <laughs> That's where I got the F from, Jim. And they say, well, why? Because I didn't see what, I can get it. We, we have to do the whole like, uh, let's get physical fit exercise. I get it, children need to run around and play. But what, should, what do you need Jim for? You can do that after school. I used to, when I used to go into elementary school, okay, uh, I was close to home. School was in the next block. I come home for lunch, and I remember one day I was running really fast, and one of my my classmates said, "You know what? You should try out for uh, a marathon." And I'm like, "No, I run for fun. I don't want to run to compete." Well, but you, because I have long legs. That's the reason why. I was like, "Oh, you, you know, you marathon runners. You know, is, is it because I have long legs? Is that why?" <laughs> I I did it for fun. I don't do it for competition, for competing. So that's not me. You know, in any type of sport. So then I say to you and to anybody who's listening out there that wherever you get your education from, 
you really should get it from life. Think of all the obstacles that people are facing. Think of the people that are, are so, so poor that their education, their quality of education is not that great. And then think of the people that, say young adults that graduate from college and are looking for a job. Jobs over there are hard to find. But again, if we promote businesses in that part of the world down there, when they come out of school, there will be something available for them. They're not gonna have to sit there and look like up here, like here, I'm looking for work and I'm applying to different jobs. But I always feel that employers are very picky with people. They don't want certain individuals. You gotta have the degree, you gotta have the... No, you don't. I've done import-export, more import anyway, and well-versed into it and not have a degree. I had it from world years of experience working for various companies. I didn't have to go to school to learn how to become, in quote, an import or a logistics agent. No. Because I remember, I retain most of the information. If you put like a document in front of me, you put a document in front of me, or something to the effect, well, oh yeah, I remember this, or like, that's a bill of lading, that's a, a purchase order. I mean, it's kind of like, that's a little test right there to see if you know the paperwork and how you handle it. And then I say to myself, yeah, so there, I don't need schooling. I already have this information in my head. You never forget how to do things. Now, the only thing I would remember, would, would forget to do is being exposed to certain computer programs because every company uses a different program. Not everybody, not every company uses the same program, you know. Um, you know, if, you're, if you know all the, the different programs, Excel and Word and Outlook, and yeah, that's basic. But then if you have to know how to create presentations, you use PowerPoint or uh, SAP, which again, I taught myself how to do that. I taught myself in a, in a totally different industry and I retained it. See, I, when someone teaches you how to do something, they're teaching you to do it their way. For me, I cannot follow someone else's way. I have to follow my own way. So I self-taught myself how to do certain things. Now, when I'm doing these podcasts, I took it, you know, I actually listened to other people. How do they set up the format? But I wanted to do it a step different. And I said to myself, well, now is the time for me to go out there and do it as a video, a physical video. It's important to show your emotions, your raw emotions of all the things that you've gone through in your life so people can watch you and say, hey, look, you know, let's watch what she's going to say in this video. I could be talking about my father, the, my relationship with him. And then when he died, how my relationship just kind of, it just broke and I lost him. And I, my life spiraled out of control and it was terrible. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, you know, this is just too much. Um, the thing that I want to uh, want to make clear is uh, what um, what life lessons or what what lessons did you learn from your father that you can share with others? Well, my father was a compassionate, gentle soul. He a hard worker. He gave back. The thing with my father is you didn't even have to ask him. He just went out and got it. That's why when I was growing up, I didn't ask him for anything. I just felt too ashamed. And it's not just with him. It's with just people in general. See, with me, I have more of a giving heart. I have a hard time receiving. And they said, well, why? I mean, every, you give so much of your time. You care about others. 
Don't you think you deserve a reward? No. I give because I want to give. It's coming from my heart. I don't expect anything. But now if someone presented me with something, yes, I would say thank you, but it, I still would have a hard time accepting it. I don't know why I have a hard time receiving things from people. I guess because of my bad experiences with my relationships, prior relationships, which is horrible. Because again, it's just how it was presented. It wasn't presented like, you know, there wasn't any thought put into it, per se. People will say, here, here, I got you a gift here. It's like no thought, no emotion behind it. And I thought, wow, this is what it's like to receive, then I really don't want to have anything. I don't want to receive anything. And everyone's like, well, why? You deserve it. You helped others. Why can't we do something for you? Well, if you want to do something for me, let's have a big parade. Let's have a celebration. Let's invite everybody from around the world. Let's do that. I don't care for anything. That's why when I spoke with my contact yesterday, I said, look, he goes, I, you know, I, you are a real genuine human being. I've never come across someone like you. I'm like, because most of the people who do these things, if you really think about it, look at all, look at social media. Let's, let's take, let's chop it down now, break it down. Look at Instagram. When people are promoting their business, they want money. That's what they want. They're not doing it to help others. And if they're saying, yeah, we are, but you are looking at dollar signs. You're trying to get people to come on board, but in the end, you want that money. I don't care for the money. I care to help others. It helps me tremendously to want to help others, to want to give back and not expect anything in return. And they said, you're such a kind hearted and you're a wonderful human being. And oh my God, you know, you really know. And I'm like, you're right, I do really know. I know what it's like. I grew up from a humble background, humble. Nobody understands what that is. Let's put it this way. Let's put the humble people in the category of compassionate people. Humble are compassionate. They do equal each other. But when you tell me, and this is what I don't get, and this is why I think education, again, is really not needed. Let's talk about people. What do you learn in school about people that you can't learn in the real world? You can make friends with someone in school and think, I know this person. But do you really know someone? I mean, you can know someone for a long time, but their intentions towards you are a little bit... Uh, I don't want to say wicked, more like uh, bad. Their intentions towards you are bad. So in other words, they get. there are people that I've actually had been friends with in school. That's why I stayed away from people. I kept to myself. But there was one friend in particular that wanted to know so much about me. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. We went to school and we've been in grades together. And all of a sudden you want to get to know me? What's up with that? So I became very suspicious about it. I said, oh, no, no, you know, I feel so bad for you. I'm like, why? I don't want pity from anyone. Do I look like I need pity? Well, you know, you're so alone, but I choose to be alone. I don't want to have friends. When I have friends in school, their intentions are, this is what you got to watch out for is their intentions. What are they really up to? They want something from you. They want to get to know you. They want to do this. They want to do this. They want to do that. But really, what is your intention? What are you, what are you trying to get out of me? You want to be my friend? Fine. But then they ask personal questions. And I don't like when people ask me personal questions. What do you want? It's like that in the adult world. Think about that. Okay, so now you graduated from, from high school and you went to college, but it didn't work out for you, so you went straight to work. 
And then along the way, you meet people in your job because you're the new person, so you make friends. With me, it's hard to do that. I don't trust anybody. In the past, I've had friends, and all of a sudden, they were trying to get information out of me. They wanted to know too much of my personal life. I said, why? Are you writing a book? Are you doing research? What do you, what do you want to know? It's different if you say, hey, look, I'm going to write about my life story, and I want you to do this, or I want you to do that, or whatever it's going to be, right? Um, I really believe from personal experience that when you give too much information of yourself to others, you better watch out because whatever personal information you give them, what happens if they take that information and use it against you? Think about that. It's like when you do a documentary. Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know. Um, they they want to know, oh, uh, 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 you know, tell me about your childhood. Or, uh, uh, you know, tell me something personal that happened to you. I said, but what do you want to know that for? You writing a book? See, if somebody did a documentary about my life, I will tell you as much as I can. But when it comes to my private life, that's off limits. I'm sorry. Because now you're getting a little too personal. That's why I said, when you put yourself out on social media, don't reveal too much information about yourself. Because people have a tendency to, oh, let's get close to her. And then, you know, we'll be nice to her. And then we'll do something to hurt her. Yeah, no. It's not gonna work with me. I don't follow many people. When I do follow people, then they're like, they look into your background to see what you're all about. Now I'm a 16-year survivor. That's 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 you know, that's the truth. I'm a 16-year breast cancer survivor. I even showed you a picture, it went on Instagram. But I wanna I wanna be able to show that in person. Why? Because I want people to know with cancer, we don't fool around. If you find something in your body, you need to go get yourself checked just to have peace of mind and not be like me and wait till the last minute and find out, oh my God, it's a tumor and if I don't get it taken care of right away, basically I'll be dead. That's what the doctor said. They scare you into that. So now you have to do what you have to do. You have to go there and you have to physically, you have to physically go there, get yourself treated because again, they told me, if you don't take care of this tumor right away, and you don't get the chemotherapy and everything else, you will die. Can you imagine that? Am I afraid of death? No. The only time I'm afraid of death is if my life is being taken from me. In other words, if someone tries to attack me, if someone tries to come after me, if someone poses a threat to my life, that's when I'm afraid of death. But when it comes to an illness, you know, you make the best of it. You do what you can. And that's why I say it's very, very important to, when someone wants to know more about you, just don't reveal too much information. Then you have the people quote, oh, this is what we know about her. And so they'll write up a, a, like what they think they know about you and they'll twist everything you say so that the next day you look about it, look at yourself in an article like, wait a minute, I didn't say that. Wait a minute, where did you get this information from? That's why I don't trust anybody. If someone were to interview me, I want you to be legitimate with me. Let's come clean. And I'm going to tell you up front before the cameras roll. Do not, I repeat, do not ask me about my private life. Private life is private. If I feel like I have something to tell the world, then the world will know at that time, but not before. Privacy is important. That's why you think to yourself, uh, all the people that are out there, quote, in entertainment, when they get interviewed, do you really, like, when you want to ask the questions, I know a lot of people are dying to know, 
Is he, isn't she? Is he available? Is she available? Is he married? Is she married? When the time comes, that will be revealed, but not before. But then don't take that person's value or that person's word and twist it around and think, okay, well, this is the dirt that we found out about this person. Don't do that. Don't shame someone like that. Because then they're going to have to come out on a video and say, look, whatever you heard isn't true. But see, it's hard to convince, quote, your loyal fans and the people that follow you what is real and what isn't. That's why when you said when you go on Instagram and there are people, and I'm going to say this again to bring this up, when you're impersonating a celebrity, you're committing a crime right there. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take a celebrity that's well-known and loved by everyone, try to pretend that you're them, for what? To get attention? Be yourself for crying out loud. Show your uniqueness. Don't try to copy off of someone because, again, people don't want to go around revealing or revering a fake celebrity. There are celebrity impersonators that people do that for a living. That's one thing. But when you're intentionally going on social media, oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so, first of all, there has to be a red flag. This is how I found this person to be. One picture, no posts, no pictures, 13 followers, 30 posts. But if you look at the real person, he's got more than 13 followers. So tell me what's going on here. Also, another thing, I went on Facebook this morning, and this, I'm not going to name the person that I'm talking about, because it would, it would, you know, but let's just say personal private pictures, family pictures, this, this group that was formed for this actor, they had the personal photo of this, of this uh, person when he was, when he, I will say it's a male, that's all I'm going to say, when he was younger, posing with his mother. Where did you get that picture from? See, I think that people's private lives, their pictures, shouldn't be shared with other people in a group. Where did you get the picture from? You would have had to get permission from the person to post that picture. Where did you get the picture from? See, for me, I couldn't do that. Why? I have pictures of my own, childhood pictures, but I keep them private. And I don't reveal them to the world. If I did that, then what kind of a person would I be? They would take that picture, steal it, put it up in their group. I'm like, did I give you permission to do that? No. Then why did you do that? That's why I say it's very important that you get permission from that person before you put up a picture. Why? Because then when they look at it, they're like, wait a minute. That is from my personal collection. How did they get their hands on it? I don't know, but if I were you, I would keep all your personal pictures locked in a vault. Because nowadays, people can take anything from anybody. That's the, the sad fact about that. That's the sad fact that people can take things from people. And that's, that's, that's why I don't like that at all. I don't. I don't like it at all. Um, but anyway... Let it be known, let it be like, uh, let it be known that there are people out there to get you. So whatever you do when you post on social media, remember this, do not, and I repeat, do not reveal too much of yourself on social media, because again, people will find that information and try to use it against you somewhere down the line. I mean, you can only put so much, and that's why I think on social media, People are not who they say they are, and you could be following someone who's fake, and then what? So do yourselves a favor and just please be safe, please be careful. 
Um, I'm sorry I got off track, but it just bothers me, you know, and nothing is being done about it. You know, I mean, you say you're this person or you're this person, that's when you start to have to be like, kind of like a, a PI, get some information, engage with them, see if they know anything. And then you can spot the liar. And that's what I did with this person on Instagram. I reported it. And then before you know it, they disappeared. And I think that, that they knew that I was catching on to them. So um, anyway, so I'm going to let you guys go because it's almost 11 o'clock. But I do want to say one thing. Uh, in life, you can learn about life because, again, it's like a giant classroom without having to have an education. Life experiences, they don't teach you that. They should teach you certain things about life that you can't learn in the classroom. And if I had my choice and for my own children, I would want to teach them about life. Be exposed to life and everything, everything in between. Because you cannot learn about that stuff in a classroom. What you learn in a classroom, you're really not going to take it with you when you get older. How are you going to use it? Think about that. So I'm going to let you guys go, but I am going to say a prayer for all of you who, again, who are going through some difficult times in your life. And remember, there's always, a, for every problem, there's a solution. Don't give up. Don't give in. And remember, stay safe. So let me, let me just say a quick prayer for all of you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God bless all of you. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Take care.